Amen. Amen. How's everybody? How's everybody out there in uh, video land? What's up, Gwen? Thought it was Thursday. Thought I'd put you out there. All right, let's, let's get into, we're going to talk about purpose vision. I, I, don't, I don't know how God's going to play out this month. It's a very interesting month coming up uh, because of uh, we have New Year's. We're going to get into our vision. So at the end of the year, we like talking about vision um, just so we have an understanding of what vision is, how to write vision. We should be playing off of a vision from God. You know, not just uh, resolutions or things like that, you know. And, and all it is is, is is taking the time out, hopefully before the end of the year. But if you hadn't done it already, taking the time out, sitting still, saying, God, what do you have for me today, this year? You know, um, and then you, we normally hit four areas, you know, you know, uh, just speak to me about my relationship with you. Speak to me about my family. Speak to me about my extended family and friends. Uh, speak to me about just some of the things I'm believing for, my des- the des- desires of my heart. And, and don't try to get all complicated in your head. Just write down what God tells you, right? See, th- see, I think we struggle when we hear different things from God at different stages of our life. Or you could be on a Bible study. You could be at the job. You could be watching a movie. And you get these little pieces that prick you. Those things that are pricking you are God giving you uh, pieces to the puzzle or pieces to the vision. So write those things down. Don't, don't figure them out. Write them down. Because <laughs> that might just be a piece. Like how many times have you poured out all the pieces to the puzzle and in the next second put all the puzzle together? It's a piece at a time, right? And what happens is you may look at, look at light colors, <laughs> right, and see if all the light colors go together. That might be the sky or, the, or you know, whatever, the river or whatever. All right, same thing in your life. You know, just take the, the little pieces you get because what happens is we know in part and we see in part, and we'll get into that in a second, but what happens is because we're human and because we've allowed so many other things in our life, it, when, when God is speaking, sometimes we don't pick up that signal. Now, sometimes we don't pick up the system because we're already mostly tied into what we want to do. Right. Right. right? So we ain't really trying to hear what God's trying to say. If God's saying something close to what we want to do, you know how you go to a man or woman of God or somebody that you look up, could be mom, dad, or whatever, and, you know, some of y'all started this when y'all was young. You know, you ask mom or dad, hey, you know, oh, can I do such and such? What do you think about me doing such and such? What? No, 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 I don't think you should do that. Then so you leave them, right? And where you go? You go to the other parent. Hey, what do you think about me doing such and such? Now, one parent already gave you some good advice. But, so you go to the next parent. So then they, they gave you the same advice the other parent gave you. So what you do, you get on the phone. Hey, uh, Uncle Jimmy, Uncle, I was just wondering, what do you think about such and such? You keep going asking people why. You're looking for somebody that's going to agree with what you said. Then you're going to come to the people that, that told you something different, and you're going to be like, well, I was talking to uh, Uncle Jimmy, and Uncle Jimmy thought it was a good idea, right? Well, this is what we're doing sometimes with God. God is telling us things, and if it doesn't line up, we'll go, well, what do you think about such and such? And then you go to Pastor Mel. Pastor Mel, what do you think about such and such? David, what do you think? Trina, I was wondering what you thought about such and such, right? And then Ty, Ty, what you think, Ty? What you think? So then you'll come back. Well, Ty was saying, right? 
as opposed to just taking it, writing it down, and letting God kind of move you into what he purposed and planned for your life, right? God understands our design, so that's why he delivers things in a way that we can get it. He might have to catch you in a movie, watching a movie. He might have to catch you around someone you actually pay attention to, right? And sometimes he has to catch you in your dreams because your conscience is asleep, right? He has to get you in night visions. Some of us, he has to get us in day, day visions or open visions because we don't go to sleep, <laughs> right? So he has to get you in the open vision, right? All right, so hopefully we'll get into all the night visions, the open visions, and I'm believing in Jesus' name this year we'll, get, we'll bring back the teaching on dreams so we can understand how to process through those too, okay? All right, so now, now a lot of things that we're going to talk about in terms of vision in this upcoming year, uh, they're targets, not arrivals. Most of the things that we talk about at church anyway are targets, not arrivals. We get bothered, offended, or frustrated, or overwhelmed because we think once we hear about it, it's an arrival. It's a target, right? Right? Uh, a lot of the things that you hear, which you're going to hear throughout uh, vision and things of that nature, or as you are discovering vision, there will be some conviction. Don't mistake that for condemnation. The conviction is coming from your, you actually hearing what God wants you to do, and it's not, not lined up where, where you already have momentum. So what, you're going to feel something, right? Because you, you've invested in whatever you're already doing. Don't you think when God tells you what he wants you to do and you hear it, he's already considered what you've invested in? That's why we have scriptures like he'll work all things out for good. He just needs to know, are you going to be obedient or are you going to wait to you comfortable with doing what I told you to do? That's how, we, that's how we're doing it. So you don't think if you do what I told you to do when I told you to do it, that I've considered everything. So you're going to help me. By saying, well, once I take care of this. Remember when, when, when there was in situations, uh, whether it was the prophet or Jesus showed up, and the person's like, well, let me go back and take care of some things first. Right? Because one person said, hey, let me go back and, and, and you know, because, you know, my family is getting older, so when I bury them. He said, let the, bury the, bur the, bur the dead bury the dead. Because he says, once I put my mantle on you to do something, that's the most important thing, right? Amen. You know, Elijah put the man on Elijah. He was like, hey, let me go back and do such and such. He says, forget you then, <laughs> right? This mantle on you is God saying this is what God wants you to do. There is no circumstance in this entire world that's more important than what God wants to do, right? You got that so far? All right, so we have to prepare for vision. You know, I was, uh, uh, was listening this morning. Uh, is, uh, is this Joshua 3 this morning? Yeah. yeah. So uh, when they were told to sanctify themselves, right? So, so a lot of times you have to set yourself apart, sanctify yourself. You got to remove a lot of the noise to be prepared to pick up on vision. You can't operate business as usual. You almost have to fast because if you don't fast, you're going to do what you're comfortable with doing. You're going to keep the momentum you've always kept, 
And so as God's talking to you, you're going to keep getting interrupted by all the things you need to do with the mess you've caused. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it's just a mess, right? You're all over the place. You're caught up with keeping up. So now God's trying to speak to you. But he's like, oh, oh that's why I got to take care of this. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, I got to go over here. Oh, oh, yeah, I got to do this. Well, if I don't do this, such and such going to trip. Well, if I don't do this, then they're going to get offended. God don't need all that noise. Right? So sometimes you have to fast to even hear from God, okay? Right? So the scripture says this in Psalm 119. Uh, which one do we want to start with? We're going to read. Uh, well, let's read it. Let's read it because I, I always quote it, but let's, set our, let's put our eyes on it, right? Bible study fellowship people, right? Set your eyes on it, right? All right, so let's look at... Uh, all right, we're going to focus on verses 105 and verses 130, right? This is what we're going to focus on. So let's start with 130, and we're going to work our way back to 105, okay? All right, so one of the ways we prepare for vision is to, to, to make sure we drink, eat a lot of word, right? Because the interest of the word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple, Right? Now, see, so, so once I take in the word, it starts to clear all the darkness because vision is, David, is what? It's about seeing, right? And so sometimes we don't know what to do because we're clouded, right? Like things are just, we're overwhelmed because it seems like it's too much. I don't know what to do. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? Right? But the Bible says the interest of the word bringeth light gives understanding to the simple. So the, 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 the person at the lowest level of intelligence, the word turns into a genius. Right? At the lowest level. Now, remember, we went through the levels of intelligence. There are actually uh, designations for intelligence. Yeah. You know, from imbecile to, you know, yeah, I went through it before. I'm not going to get through it. I don't want nobody to feel bad, you know. But they, 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 so they'll, they'll test your IQ and determine what your level of intelligence is. That's fine for the world, but as far as God is concerned, drink some word, you automatically go up to genius. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, so now I'm trying to hear from God, and God's level of intelligence, as we talked about before, is super genius. It's, it's out of this world, right? Because the Bible says in Isaiah, it says that his, his wisdom is unsearchable. What it means is it's so mass, right? Imagine just sitting having a conversation with God. We struggle with men and women of God. You're having a conversation like, that's too deep. That's a woman. I can't keep up. You talking to God now. God speaking about what he's doing. So imagine how exhaustive a thinker God is. He's covered everything before it happened. You talking to God, how do I understand God? Well, the interest of the word, bring of light, gives understanding to the simple. It takes you to a place where now you can comprehend. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, uh, we're going to go to 105, but I don't like to just talk without proving it with Scripture. So let's zip up to 98, right? Let's, let's zip up to 98. Well, 97. Let's start with 97, okay? It says, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation, what? All the day, right? It says, it says through thou, through thy commandments, has made me, what? Wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. So whatever the devil plans, the word has made me smarter than him, right? I know what he's trying to do before he does it. Verse uh, 99, it says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, 
for thy testimonies, my meditation. Now, what that means is when my teachers are teaching, because of my understanding, I comprehend like that. I comprehend like that. Right? Because what? Because the words are my meditation. Right? Now, these are the scriptures I would give to the college students and the high school students, you know, when they were struggling in school. Verse 100. I have, I have more understanding... I have I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. That's saying those that's been around for years, when they start talking, you relate. Because you're in the word, right? Right? So, so, so this word, when we take it in, we're going to be able to process what God is saying as opposed to being overwhelmed, shutting it down, or running from it because we're scared we won't be able to do it. Right? We won't be as, I don't know what to do, because we started with the word. You see what I'm saying? We're starting with the word. Sometimes we start with our issue, with our problem, what we're trying to learn and, and remember. Right? If you're in school, ah, I, gotta get, I will get into the word, but I got to study first. No, no, you get to the word first, and that helps you to process quicker, comprehend better. Does that make sense? All right, good. All right, so now let's go to drop down here to 105. It says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, we've talked about this before, but now we're talking vision now, right? So, it's a lamp unto my feet. I can't go nowhere unless I know where I really am. Even when you go to the mall, you go to that kiosk and it says what? You are here. Because if you don't know where you're at, it doesn't make a difference where you're trying to go. It's, even GPS, doesn't it say current location? You can't lie to the GPS and feel like you're someplace that you're not and think you're going to get where you're trying to go. You got to be honest about where you are, honest about your current, current location, honest about what? You are here, not where you think you, you want to be, not where you say you want to be, but there's a reality of where you are, and the word is a lamp unto your feet. It'll show you exactly where you're at, but guess what? As you raise it up in your life, it's a light unto your path. It'll show you where you're going. You'll see clear to where you're going. All right? Does that make sense? You'll be able to see the promised land. Slip that in there. <laughs> right? All right, so let's go to Habakkuk. Now, because we're, we, we we're preparing for this word, right? Let's go to Habakkuk. I'm in my new Bible, so it's on page... All right, so it should be on page 800 and... <laughs> All right, look, All right, so Habakkuk 2. We're going to start with verse 1. Habakkuk 2, we're going to start with verse 1. This is going to help This is going to help us here. Right, and I apologize. I should have got this in the Amplified on the Amp C, but... Um, so, Venetia, look up the Amp, the, the Amp C, and Pastor Mel, could you find it in the Amplified for me, please? You, you already got it? Y'all sweet like that, huh? Thank you. I shall return these. All right, let's, let's, uh, verse 1, it says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to what? To see what he will say unto me. Now, now he didn't say to hear. He says, I'm going to watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer 
when I am reproved, okay? Uh, and let me see. Well, y'all both got the AMC. I need you to find it. I need you to find the AMP, okay? The AMC says, oh, I know I have been rash to talk out plainly this way to God. I will, in my thinking, stand upon my post of observation and station myself on the tower or fortress and will watch to see what he will say within me. He said within me and what answer I will make at his mouthpiece to the, per per to the perplexities of my complaint against him. That means if I have something I'm questioning, that's all I need. Thank you. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I just remembered something. I got my phone. <laughs> Duh. You got your phone. All right. So, 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 so this is him saying, like we do, like there's things happening around me that I don't understand. I, sometimes I don't even agree with it. And so at times I'm tempted to operate in a level of complaint from this standpoint. God, what are you doing? And why are you allowing this to happen? Now, if I see what God is doing, that's not coming out in my thoughts or in my mouth. But what I don't see what God is doing. I, I, for me, it doesn't line up with my understanding, okay? All right, so this is, a, oh, I'm still in King James, my bad. All right, so the amp amplifier says this, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the tower and will keep watch to see what he will say unto me and what, and what answer I will give as his spokesman when I am reproved. So I'm, so I'm going to hear God's vision and I'm going to communicate the vision, but, I, but I'm going to get it so clear that even when I'm questioned, I can answer, right? It says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to, we're going to that later. <laughs> we're not, we're going to verse two later. Not right now. Not right now. All right. So this is, a, a, his preparation was to be attentive. His preparation was to be attentive, but I, so, so, so we are growing here at the church. So I'm going to use some examples, not as put downs, but just as we grow up together. So me and Marcus, we've been growing for a long time here. I, I don't know. Our relationship is how long? 10 years? I don't know. Somewhere in that range. And so, so, so we do a lot together. We do a lot of production and different things like that together. So when we first started, because Marcus is a servant. So when we first started, I would give Marcus communication. Marcus would go away. And then, you know, we'd be in a situation. I was like, uh, but what was communicated, he didn't do at that time. So, so how I am, I'll ask the question. Not how come you didn't do. So Marcus, what did you hear the last time? And he said, such and such. All right, so then we got it down, right? So then we go again, and it wasn't done. So I said, Marcus, what did you hear the last time? Did you write it down? So what he said was, he says, I heard you. And, like, he went to do it before he really absorbed it. You know what I'm saying? Because what was his default? Default is to serve. So as soon as you hear the information, he wants to get to it. But sometimes he would be so busy going to it, he didn't get all in. Like, it didn't take, I don't want to say it didn't take, but you almost left too soon before you absorbed it all. 
So I hadn't become a part of him yet. It was just something that he mentally assented to, right? I mean, he don't roll like that now, but I'm just saying, but that's, but we had to grow. Now, if, because me as a leader asked questions, suppose I was like, man, Marcus don't know what he's doing. No, we didn't roll like that. What it is is we had to discover how does he flow, right? You see what I'm saying? And, and, and I, I learned this because uh, we was at our last church, and so I was an assistant, but before I was an assistant, I was an armor bearer. And so what happens is the pastor has certain things he wanted done certain ways. So one day a young lady comes to me and she says, uh, uh, Pastor Forbes said, do this. And when she, as soon as she said what he said to do, I was like, I know good and well he didn't tell you that. I didn't say that to her. So this was my response. I said, what exactly did he tell you? I was Minister Bradley. But Minister Bradley, uh, pastor said do this. Pastor is saying it. I said, I'm going to ask you one more time. What did he actually tell you? <laughs> Mr. Bradley, why are you giving me a hard time? Just do what pastor told you to do. I said, I'm going to ask you again. What exactly did he tell you? And she was like, I don't know. I said, the reason why I asked you the question is because what you asked me to do, you're about to get me in trouble and you're going to get yourself in trouble. Because you're the deliverer of the information. And then once I do it, and then he comes to me and asks me, why did I do it? And I go, well, I was following your instructions that you gave the, the messenger. I said, so I'm helping you. Because I know good and well he didn't tell you to do that. I said, this is, I said, I know what you did. He gave you the information. You ran to tell it. I said, you got to stop and get the information first. So this is what Habakkuk is talking about. He said, I'm standing upon the watch. I'm sitting there making sure I get all the information because I just don't need to know what to do, Gerard. I'm going to have to answer some questions once I start doing it. <laughs> right? Like, like, like we're pastors. We can't just cast a vision around here, not at Ayers. <laughs> right? There's, there's questions. You know, if we give you some wisdom, we can't just give you the wisdom. We have to be ready for responses and questions. Well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? What about that? But suppose we just say, well, just, what did I just tell you? Just do what I told you to do. What the Bible says, just do the Bible. Right? You understand what I'm saying? You got me so far. All right. Because this is important because vision doesn't just include us as individuals. Everybody around us is affected by the vision. Your mama, your daddy, your cousin, your, your, your daughter, your niece, your, your coworker, everybody's affected. So vision covers everybody around you, not just you. So are you just listening for you or are you listening for the whole picture? Okay, you got me there. All right, so now let's go. Remember we said we're preparing, right? So Ecclesiastes 5. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 5. See, this is the struggle a lot of times, things are crashing around us because we're not playing off a of vision. We're playing off of feelings. Okay? Feelings doesn't consider the whole picture because feelings cloud you. Right? They consider the, 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 the present relief, but not the future circumstances and problems and the wisdom to get through it. All right, so uh, Ecclesiastes... Five. Okay. Um, maybe I should read this out of the amp. 
Hold on one second. Ecclesiastes. Because I know it says keep that foot, and I was going to explain it, but maybe this version. Uh, we're going to start chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1. Um, this one doesn't do, do what I wanted to do. Uh, it says the same thing, right? Oh, no, but this is good. We'll, we'll, we'll do the amp C. We'll do the amp C because it actually breaks it down so I don't have to. All right? All right, so uh, starting verse 1, it says, keep your foot or give your mind to what you are doing. It's basically saying be attentive, Right? It says, when you go as, uh, uh, as Jacob to sacred Bethel, to the house of God, for to draw near to hear and, ob- and obey is better than to give sacrifice, the sacrifice of fools, carelessly, irreverently, too ignorant to know that they are doing evil. It says, uh, all that was in verse one? Okay. <laughs> It says, be not rash with your mouth and let not your heart be hasty to utter words before God, right? These are the vows that we start our year off with, right? It says, for God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few and let them be true. I'm going to add that, you know, let your words be few and let them be true. Don't be talking to God out of emotion, okay? It says, now verse 3, for dream comes with much business and painful effort and a fool's voice with many words, right? And then verse 4, we just add that. When you, when you vow a vow or make a pledge to God, do not put off paying it, for God has no pleasure in fools, those who witlessly mock him. Pay what you vow. Now, of course, you know, it says pay, so we always think about money, but we attach that to commitment too. Once God gives you what to do and once you commit to say you're going to do it out of your mouth. See, we come into the house of God. It says be attentive when you come into the house. Don't just be emotionally talking. You're in God's house, right? Everything, listen, every word, every idle word, right? So it says, so when you just start communicating stuff before God, watch what you say. Because we go, I got this God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. God said, cool. So God is not man. You said you're going to do it, do it. Right? And, and, and what it's saying is a dream or vision comes through a multitude of visions. So God communicates something. That's why I'm not talking as much because I'm listening to God. You ever been around, seen people that's been around wise folk and they're doing most of the talking? Why are you talking? You already know what you know. You're trying to find out what you don't. And the only way you're going to do that is to be quiet, <laughs> right? And listen, right? Does that make sense? All right, so, 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 this, so again, this dream or vision comes through a multitude of business, right? It, it comes through an effort to be locked in. And, and it starts, you know, is when you, why is this right after you come into the house of God? It says, keep thy foot, be attentive. You heard me say the other day, Hey, sometimes when the word goes forth, people are doing a whole lot of stuff. Well, if you find yourself doing a whole lot of stuff, then get here early to do all your stuff. So when the word goes forth, you're locked into the word. Right? Because God is communicating something, and that could be a piece to your vision. Right? You got me so far. All right. 
So now God knew that vision was going to be difficult. He knew seeing the unseen in the seen world or realm would be a struggle. God already knew this. God, God said, so I'm about to show you something that has not happened ever yet. And I'm going to speak it into your life for you to do. You have nothing to measure it by because you've never done it. And others haven't done it because it's customized for you. So to take what's unseen and to speak it, to live it, uh, for it to manifest in the seen realm is God already knew would be difficult. Right? And so, so, he, so he, and he's explaining to us through his word, he's been explaining to us the whole year, but through years here, you know, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man or a mature male and female, I put off childish things. When a child walks through the door, they're not keeping their foot and they're not attentive. They're all over the place. They may be on computers, they may be on laptops, they may be on their games, they may be playing with the tissue, playing with the offering envelopes. They're all over the place looking for candy, this, that, and the other, asking when we go into some place you ain't going until you get out of church. Not just the little kids, <laughs> right? Everybody, you know, because you got the adults constantly on the checking their, their, their iWatches, iPhones, seeing what the score of the game is. All this while God is being attentive, right? So it says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, understood a child, thought as a child. When I became a man, I put off childish things. Now, that was uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, where verse 12 says, now we see in part. He said it. He knows we see things in part. We don't see the whole vision. It says, but then face to face, face to face as I see face to face. When you come up out of a shower and the windows fog, you, you have a face, but you can't see the face. Until what? To the, to the, to the, to the, the fog or the, what, what do we, we call it fog? Steam. Thank you. Yeah. The steam clears. But then when the steam clears, you see what? Face to face. Right? When Rafiki wanted uh, Simba to see what he wasn't seeing, he took him to the water and he saw what? Face to face, right? I, so, so the scripture says, uh, now, uh, let's go there. That's about what I said, now you're looking through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now you see in part, but then you'll see even as you know by God. Okay. I just wanted to say it, just make sure I keep it in my heart, that's all. But let's go there. First Corinthians 13. All right. Okay, good, good, good. So again, God understood that, that, forgive me, y'all. This Bible, about to bring my old Bible back. All right, so 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 12, it says, well, now we see through a glass darkly or like in a cloud. It says, but then face to face. Then after the, the, the colon, he breaks it down. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known, excuse me, Amplify says, by God. So in other words, I, have a, I don't have a clear vision yet, right? But then I'll know even as I know my God. And, and I shared this the other week, so, so just for the sake of time, Psalm 8 talks about what is man that thou art mindful of them. You know, the son of man that 
thou visited him. So this is the angels communicating probably with Christ, like, why, why, why they're so special? Now, the scripture tells us that, that we were born in, in sin or shaping inequity or, or shaping inequity and sin that my mother conceived me, right? So, so we talked about this the other week. We were born into a world of darkness, right? So God knew we, you're not just going to just operate in vision like that. And so we put fail safes in for us. And so we talked about this. He says, okay, uh, Mark... Uh, verily, verily, I say, you must be what? Born again. Right? This is Nicodemus talking to him, right? John chapter 3, 3 through 6. Right? He says, he says, so Nicodemus says, do I go back into my mother's womb? Now, he didn't say, if you, get, if you think about it, if you want to, you could be born again. He said, you must be born again. It's essential, right? So he says, do I go back in my mother's womb? He said, oh, no, you're talking about being born of water. He says, yeah, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. So you must be submerged in water, birthed into the earth realm, submerged in the spirit, so you can break back into sin in the heaven realm. All right, okay, let's go, let's go to John 3 real quick, because I want to highlight something here. This is all connected to God's plan for us to see. And if we if we operate in God's plan, we'll hear and see God's vision quite clearly, okay? All right, John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, yeah, I feel like the singer, you know, you got, you got to, when you're about to hit a note, you got to take a, breath, a breath, you know, before you go to that next note. I know what you're supposed to do. I just ain't sweet at it like them. All right. All right, so, so Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot, what? See, see the kingdom of God. Now, now, I'm living in this earth realm, but I'm supposed to be able to see the heaven realm, right? So he says, you can't even see. Like, you'll make all your decisions based on circumstances in the earth because you can't see heaven. You'll make financial moves based on what you see on the earth because you can't see heaven. You'll operate in a hustle instead of holy because you can't see heaven, right? Right, so this is, this, this is what he says. And then Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, now think about it. God is telling Jesus how to communicate to the people in the earth realm. He's giving them his word, and this is something they've never heard before. So they're going to respond based on their natural understanding, right? That's what Nicodemus did, right? How can a man be born when he is old, right? Jesus had an answer because he stood upon a watch. And he heard God's word. He heard enough not just to communicate what to do, but he heard enough to answer the questions that he may have, right? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. So now there's one is seeing it and another is entering, right? He says, that which is born of the, of, of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto thee, you must be born again. Don't, don't get it confused. This is how we're supposed to be operating on earth as it is in heaven, right? Okay, you got that, right? All right, so, so this was God's plan. And then he tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, he says, don't look on the things that you see for they're temporal. Look on the things that you can't see for the eternal. What he's saying is, don't be satisfied with what you see, which is mostly circumstances, there's, there's something beyond what you've gone through. There's something beyond what you've experienced. There's something beyond what you've seen others experience. 
But that's not in the seen realm, that's in the unseen realm. You got that? 2 Corinthians 4.18, and we've been talking about that here at the church. Now, the scripture tells us this, okay, uh, 1 Timothy 6. Uh, 1 Timothy 6. And we're going we're gonna to lock here on verse 12, 1 Timothy 6, 12. All right, so it says this. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Look, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So it's saying, I, don't just play off of the seen realm, play off of the unseen realm. Lay hold on eternal life. Make it... Make, make it be the vision you look through. So then when you start to speak, you won't just be speaking based on what's already manifested. You'll be speaking based on what's, never, what's, what's in the unseen. And you'll speak it into the seen realm. That's how everything that we have seen has manifested, right? Because we're snared by the words of our mouth, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So this vision that we're talking about, I've, I've always likened it to a softball. So, you know, I used to play baseball. So, one of the things about when you hit a baseball, I always say softball, but baseball, hit a baseball in the air. Terrell played baseball. And so, Terrell was probably better at this than me. But I was extremely fast. But I just started wearing glasses two years ago. I just started, but I probably was supposed to wear them. Matter of fact, we, saw, we found some old pictures. I had glasses on. Y'all saw one of the pictures I was on the porch. I had glasses on. I I didn't even know I, had, I wore glasses back then. I just remember when I met my dad, they tried to make me to wear glasses, and I wasn't going to wear the glass with one thick lens here and no medicine in this one. Not in Newark. You know, I mean, you already, you're going to get cracked on, you know. You know, you see me? I'm over here. You see me? I'm over here. You know, people just, people just all types of stuff. So I, so I wasn't going to get embarrassed. wasn't going to wear those glasses. How that affected me in sports, I, I don't know. I you know, I think I made all my left-hand shots because I used my both hands by faith. Because when I go like this, I can't even see my left arm. But when I go like this, I can see my right arm. So there's a blind spot here. Then it comes into light when I finish it. And I shoot a lot of left-hand hooks. But over the, I never paid any attention until I started to realize what my sight was really like. How I used to pass the driver's test is I got good memory. So, the colors, I can see. You know, they ask you the colors. So, on the right eye, all the way down to the bottom, they ask you the letters. On the left side, I couldn't see nothing. But I remembered from the right side. So, I would remember the lowest, tiniest one, and then I would say it. I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, now, it doesn't make a difference because as long as you got peripheral vision on this side and you can see the colors, you pass. Right? All right. Now, why am I telling you all that? Well, with, with, with baseball, everything, the baseball is in space. Isn't it, there's no walls, no two-dimensional walls around it where you can really locate it. So, good thing about a center fielder is, is his jump on the ball. Crack, here, boom, they're gone. Not me. I would just be standing there. As it was getting closer, I could, I could locate it. So I made a lot of shoestring catches. I, I rarely didn't catch the ball. But 
if you didn't know baseball, you'd be like, man, that dude is phenomenal. Man, you see how he slid, made that catch, fallen, made that catch? I wasn't supposed to make the catch fall in a slide. I was supposed to make the catch just like this. So my coaches would have heart attacks because they was like, because they'd be yelling, King, jump on the ball, move. And, I, and I'd be sitting there, I'd be ignoring them. I was like, no, they don't understand. I don't know where that ball at. But as it got closer, it got clearer. Now, I, I, w- I was late, but I just, uh, thank God I had speed. I would get the, to the ball. I was late, so I had to rush to the ball. Right? See, I was late. Mm-hmm. So I had to rush to the ball. I should have recognized it sooner. Right. That's good. I would have met it quicker. Without difficulty. Wow. See, some of us are, are like a bad decision away from blowing up the vision. Wow. You know why? Because we're trying to make shoestring catches. When we could just meet the vision. All right, so you got me, right? So vision is like a baseball. As it gets closer, it gets clearer. All right? Does that make sense? All right, so, so, all right, let's go to Proverbs 29. Because vision is important. You know, we live this life, and somebody asks you what your vision is, you say you don't know. Or what's your vision for this year? And people aren't playing off a of vision, but that's why when certain situations come up, you're like, oh, I thought I was going to do this, but that might be a good idea too. And then somebody brings something else up. Like, oh, ooh, you know what? That might be the move. Then somebody brings something else. That would be the move. But if you plan off a of vision that God told you, even good ideas would be like, man, that's a good idea, but that's not what God told me. You know how many great opportunities I've turned down? Because that's not what God told me to do. And the people were looking at me, or, and at times, the same thing with my wife, they're looking at us like, are y'all crazy? No, we're not crazy. We're obedient. And we trust God. But if we're not playing off a vision, hey, man, this might be a good idea too. Man, this church would be all over the place. Because you know how many concepts there are for church? But there is a vision for Ayers Christian Center Church. All right, okay, you got me. You got me. You right? You, you with me, right? Ain't nobody going nowhere. All right, so Proverbs 29, verse 18. Now look at this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there's, uh, okay, what's that? What's that? Hold on. Because there's another verse. Yeah, is, which one is that? I, I'm thinking it's the Amplified, but I could be wrong. It's not the Amplified. But I'm going to read the Amplified. I'm going to read the Amp Amp C. You know, it says, where there's no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. It says, the people perish, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, enviable is he. Another version says, where there's no vision, um, people cast off restraint. Yeah, that's what I'm reading. But, but what version do you have? Oh, that's, that's King James Version. King James Version don't say people cast off restraint. That's not the King James Version. 
Yeah, well, King James with no vision, people perish. Yeah. But there's another verse that says people cast off restraint. Now, cast off restraint means, so, so I have boundaries and I have restraints. And it's the easy read? ESV. So that's not the easy read. That's the what? English Standard Version. Okay. Okay. So English Standard Version, right? When it says people cast off restraint, now think about it. When I have vision, because we do have vision, there's things that come at us, but, but we're restrained from doing anything that's going to take us out of God's vision. When there's no vision, people cast off restraints. They're all over the place. Right? So God understands not only vision is hard to, is hard to see, but it's hard to stay locked into. Or I'm, I'm sorry, life is hard when you have no vision, right? Because now there's nothing to keep you in on that narrow path, right? Vision keeps you locked in, not all over the place. Do you understand? All of us have a lot of, uh, we can say 20 to 30 good things we can do, but only one best thing, what we're purposed to do. And so a lot of times we get caught up doing what we can do. And it distracts us from what we are purposed to do. Right? That's why we're talking about purpose vision. And we can, years go by, and we go, you know, I'm I'm doing something very noble. And I've been doing this for a while, and, you know, the people like me. And God is sitting there, I don't care who like you. I don't care how noble it is. Like, I don't care even if you like it. Is it what I designed you to do? That's where your fulfillment is. Okay? All right. All right, good. Guess we're gonna talk about this another day, <laughs> right? All right. So, what he's saying is the blind people are perishing without purpose because of lack of vision. See, without vision, I can't see. My people perish. So the blind are perishing without purpose because they are they they have lack of vision. Uh, let's go to, let's see, let's go to Hosea. Let's see, let's see what this version says. We're going to go to Hosea 4. All right, so it says, uh, my people are destroyed. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 6, I apologize. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. It says that thou shall be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God. I will also forget thy children. Now, here we talked about, remember, you had Habakkuk says, I'm going to stand upon the watch. Right, Ecclesiastes says, hey, when I come into the house, keep my foot, be attentive. Because that's how I'm going to get the wisdom and the knowledge to, to calibrate my mind. Because through the word, I get understanding, have more understanding than what? Than my enemies, than my teachers, and even the ancients, as we read in Psalm 119, 98 through 101, right? So, so, so again, it says, and then it says, the interest of this word, bring of light, gives understanding to the simple. 
Psalm 119, 130, right? Then we read 105 where it says the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, right? This, all this wisdom and knowledge God is affording us is helping us to see clearly to line up with his vision because if he gave it to us in one shot, it would overwhelm us because we would think, like, God gives us simple things. We go, oh, no, that's probably not me. You know, I probably messed that up. Oh, that's just a little overwhelming. I just don't know. If God gave you the whole vision, do you understand the thing that you've been running from is only a piece? You're running from the piece. What you going to do with the whole puzzle? It's only a piece, but you got to complete that piece to be ready for the next piece. You got to complete that piece to be ready for the next piece. But we're running from the, a piece, one piece. It may be big to you, but not to God. It's just a piece. But you can't see Jericho because you don't even want to go to the mountain. You see that? All right, so, so, so vision is designed to guide your gift to its place of maximum use, its place of purpose. So vision is designed to guide your gift to its place of maximum use, its place of purpose. This is on the video, so, so you go to the video, it's actually written down there, so just in case I'm going too fast, right? All right, so, so vision is designed what? To guide our gifts into its place of maximum use. So some of our gifts are being used, but is it being used at maximum? It's place of purpose. We're, we're, we're actually, uh, uh, someone told me their vision this year, actually, uh, it was, uh, uh, no. It wasn't Janae. She wasn't in the conversation. It was the guys. Uh, Cliff, Clint. Yeah, so he was talking about stewardship, right? So he was talking about stewardship when we was at the table, right? I'm correct, right? right he was talking about stewardship. So, so this is the thing, like, like, like stewardship is you got to be a proper steward of your gifts too. You can't just be wasting your gifts. Well, what God didn't intend them for, you, you have to get maximum use out of your gifts. See, and the Lord was showing me that some people see it and lose sight of it while right in the midst of it. I'm going to say it again. Some people see it and lose sight of it while right in the midst of it. They're right smack dab in the middle of it and can't see it right in front of their face. Right? Uh, 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 James, James 1. This is this, this explaining things, James 1. Uh, we'll start at verse 23. Again, we're talking about purposed vision. And we'll lock in on verse 23. It says, for if any be a hearer of the word. And we, remember, we talked about coming into church, right? Keeping your foot so you can really hear, right? He said, excuse me, I'm sorry. So, so if any be a hearer of the word, because that's just one step and not a doer, he is, like a, he is likened to a man. Underneath man is always male and female, right? He's likened to a male and female, but holding them, their natural face in a glass or in a mirror, for they beholdeth themselves and goeth their way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man or male or female they were. 
So look, look. What, 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 what does that mean? The person that beholds himself in the mirror, that, that's when you walk into God's house and you hear who you are and you see where you are and you see what was missing and you go, that's it. And you realize, do you understand? That's just a piece. It's just a piece. Keeping thy foot when you come into this house. I'm attentive. I'm locked in. I'm going to take notes. That's just a piece. That ain't the whole piece. We we think we're doing God a favor because we took notes. No. When you write something down, you increase your memory by 66%. So you're doing yourself a favor. But that's just a piece. It says if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, if you're not going to be obedient. See, he beholds yourself in the mirror. Oh, man. Oh, I knew it. Oh, that's it. And then it says, goes his way, not in the path of what you see, not harmonized with what you just realized, making that your new obedience. I'm going to recognize what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before. It says that person forgets what man of man they were. They see it, and they lose sight of it right in the midst of it. That was a moment to change your life forever. And you did, you went back to your default as if it's okay. That is costly. Some people never recover from those moves. And spend their time going, I don't understand why God didn't come through. God is saying, I already showed up. Told you exactly what to do. See, having the readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Man, people come to us all the time saying, okay, I just need to know what to do. Did you do what you, God told you to do the last time? Well, no, I didn't do that yet, but I just want to know what to do now. Same thing you're supposed to do the last time. There's no new plan. Why are you trying to go to step two? You ain't do step one. Second Corinthians 6, having a readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. God has a specific plan. Your obedience is lined up with that. So you can't go, well, you know, statute of limitations. I done blew it now. Where do we start from here? Same place we're supposed to start when you decided to pretend that you was in a cloud and you knew exactly what you're supposed to do. No, no, no I'm just saying like, you know, right now, you know, because that was back then. No, no, no. Obedience has no shelf life. It don't get stale. It don't rot. It doesn't lose its potency. <laughs> Obedience is eternal. So when you wake up, you don't have to look for what to do. You already know what to do. What you decided not to do when God told you what to do and you thought you could run. All right? Y'all still with me, right? All right, so, so, so again, when, we, when we're not obedient to what we see, See, God's given us a piece of the vision. The more we, oh, the more we start to eat on it, the more we start to step into it, it becomes clearer and real to us. And then something starts to stir up in us, the gifts in us, we start to realize, oh my God, that's what we'll be doing the whole time. And then you start to believe even more. You walk by faith at first, not by sight, but more and more you start to see it like it's real. It becomes you, right? So that makes, that makes sense. I see, see, so 
there's things right around us now that God has been, been revealing and trying to show us for a long time. If you recalibrate what you're doing right now, you'll start to see what you've been missing. Now, we ain't going into next year with the whole, yeah, you know, man, I just, you know, I just been running from God. What is that? What is that? What is that? What does that mean? How do you run from someone that's omnipresent? He's everywhere. So old song says you can't hide from yourself where you go, there you are. You can't hide from God. Everywhere you go, there he is. So you, there's no such thing as running from God. See, that's something we tell ourselves, and then we, we, we wear it like some type of cool thing. Man, you know, I just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm called too, man, but I've just been running from God. Man, listen, I will start running as soon as I make that statement. How are you going to run from, why, why is running from God an option? So, you think it's disappeared. It hasn't disappeared. It's out of sight. It's a difference. It hasn't disappeared. It's out of sight. So that means it's still there. You just can't see it. Because you're looking through the wrong lenses. Disobedience clouds you. Obedience clears your vision. Right? I says, remember when you had uh, Elijah and his servant and all these king, uh, uh, kingdoms was coming after him. Because Elijah kept telling their business. He saw so clear, remember you have more understanding than even your enemies. He saw so clear, he was telling the king, oh, oh they, they're going to be over here, over there in the bush. We don't want to go that way. Oh, they're going to be east, we can go west. Then they would try to re, reset themselves and let's say they, they're on the south. Oh, no, we, we're going to be lying, go different, we're not going south, they're over there. And so the king's asking his boys, how do they know where we're going to be at? They're not here. Oh, they got a man of God in that camp. He's telling them stuff we're doing before it happens. And these, these guys got together. They were so upset. They was like, they brought armies for a man. Listen, they didn't bring a, a man. They didn't bring special ops, a sniper. They brought armies for a man. So the servant says, master, look, he said, we good. What do you mean we good? See, sometimes when you're around a man or woman of God and they're not reacting like you're acting because they see something you don't see. We good. Wait, what do you mean we good? We good, man. Second Kings 6. Second Kings I think they tried to make this Bible with less pages. They got like four chapters on like one page. <laughs> All right, so 2 Kings 6, and we'll lock in here at uh, we'll start at verse 13. We're going to lock in on 16 to 17, but we'll start at 13. And he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan, talking about the man of God. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host 
That's a lot of, uh, that's a huge army. And they came by night and compassed the city about. So they circled the city. So to be able to circle the city, you got to be a big army, right? All right. It says, and when, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and the host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, fear not. For they that be with us is more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire round about Elijah. So there was something going on in the scene, and at the same time, there was something going on in the unseen. Do you understand there's something going on right now in your life in the scene? But there's something else going on in the unseen. That's why you don't look at the things that you see for they're temporary, subject to change. Look at the things that you can't see for they're eternal. Right? But when we take on these, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it clouds us from seeing the unseen. So we can't lock in on God's vision. So we keep making these flesh moves. Now, now, now look, look here, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. I don't know why I thought I was going to finish this today. Wishful thinking, buddy. Or blessful thinking. Uh, let me see. All right, so uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, and we're going to start here. No, we're going to lock in. Uh, it's a whole lot here. So, so we're not going to go through the whole thing, but we'll do verse 1. It says, follow after charity. That's love, right? It says, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now, again, as, as, as the chapter goes in, it starts to break down prophecy and the gift of tongues. But it's breaking down, I'm sorry, prophecy and the unknown tongue. So you have a devotional language to tongue. Well, let's, let's read verse 2 just so. I'm not making up stuff. Verse 2 says, it says, for he, now this says that, it says, but rather that you may prophesy. It says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto men, but not unto God. For no man understandeth them, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, but he that prophesies, now that's talking about the gift of tongues, speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Right? It says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesies edifieth the church. So that, that's why you know it's talking about speaking to the entire church. Prophesying means the gift of tongues. And there should be an interpreter. The scripture goes on to say that. I'm not going to get into all that right now. But you can read 1 Corinthians 14. An unknown tongue is our devotional language when we are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, where we speak in an unknown tongue. Just like, you know, you think about babies. Babies just came from where? Heaven. So they speak what? What we call babble. But get two little kids together and, and listen to them. Don't, it it, it sounds like they're saying something. You just don't know what it is. It don't really sound like babble because they, they talking and they're responding to each other. See, it's babble to us. I mean, when they teach you, when you have children, they teach you, okay, first they're going, they, they'll, they'll start speaking words. They may, that, 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 saying the same thing over and over and over, right? Then, then, they'll, then they'll start uh, be babbling sentences, right? Then it, 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 
It's still Babel. They're calling it Babel because they're natural people. But it's not Babel. It's heavenly language. We train them to speak English. And when somebody learns to speak English, what? Da, 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 da. Mama, mama, mama. Well, we don't go, oh, man, they done lost their mind. They keep you saying the same word over and over and over. But if somebody starts speaking in tongues, they go, oh, see, see, something wrong with them. No, they're learning their heavenly language all over again. Now, why is that important? Because when you speak in an unknown tongue, you're speaking out mysteries, right? You're snared by the words of your mouth. See, so because your understanding is not in the way, you're speaking out in harmony with God's will is and what God's vision is. That's why it says, pray that you may prophesy, that you may speak out what God is saying. But see, ain't nobody going to speak in an unknown tongue when you're in the flesh because you're going to get in your head and go, that don't make no sense to me. And you'll shut it down because it doesn't line up with your understanding. But the Spirit utters groanings that you wouldn't speak because your understanding will get in the way. That's Romans 8.26, right? So it tells us to pray. It tells us to, to, to focus on prophecy, speaking out mysteries, Right? See, God understood we would be in mysteries. Even the parables, he says, a mystery to them and not to you. It's been given to you to understand this stuff. It's a mystery to them. Why are we in mysteries? We're in the kingdom. We're in mysteries because we're not staying locked into God's plan, his diet, the way he told us. So we live in confusion. We live in the flesh. We live in fear. We live depressed. Because, see, that's why we've been talking about those spirits at the end of the year, because this was supernatural restoration year. Get our minds back so they can be used for the way God designed them to use. Our imagination can be used to see visions and dreams, not nightmares, not worst-case scenarios, not in being jealous. See, I think they, they, they think they're all that. Where you at? Where you going? Why'd you smile? Who's that calling? What are we doing? That's not what our imagination was given to us for. To spend our whole life protecting against somebody playing us? Let them play you and you go fulfill the vision. How about that? We spend every day trying to make sure nobody plays us because we're in fear. Right? But if we're in obedience and we're walking by faith, you don't have to worry about nobody playing you because what am I doing? Jeanette, I'm doing what God says. So, so, so even if somebody tries to take advantage of that, God's going to work that out for good because I'm being obedient to what God says. Only time I worry about getting played is when I'm doing what I want. I'm going to look over my shoulder the whole time I'm doing what I want. I know this because I looked over my shoulder the whole time when I was doing what I want. I never had a settled day. When I start living for God, I don't look over my shoulder. You could try to play me, take advantage. I'm not worried about that. Because I'm doing God's will. You can't get over on him. No matter what, it's going to work out for me. Have your way. Do what you want to do. And things have, crazy things have happened. And I, that's my witness right there. I tell her, I say, hey, surprise us, not surprise to God. God says, what I have for you, I have for you. You know what, you know what he's saying? I work this out for good too. Don't you allow yourself to get vindictive or get in the flesh. Vengeance is mine, save the Lord. Because that's going to pull you out of my harmony and my flow and my spirit. Amen. Amen. See, 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 it's purposed vision. It's not all over the place confusion. 
And so all this stuff that we take in in the world, you understand, it's to cloud us. I, I'm not going to get into today because that's going to take us long, but it's coming. It's, it's, it's in this installment, okay? It's in here. It's in my notes. It's right there. I want to get to it, but I'm not, right? Which, see, the adversary understands us in vision, we're unstoppable. Us clouded, we can be easily exploited. Because he ain't got to do no work. We play ourselves. False evidence appearing real. All right, so I, uh, all right, all right, I'll, I'll end here. We'll get into the other stuff next. Uh, oh, yeah, next week. That'd be after the first, right? Yeah, yeah, so, so Sundays we'll talk about the vision of the church, and then Wednesdays we'll talk about purpose vision. See, that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. See, we just figured it out all the day, right? All right, so I, I'll, I'll just give you this to end. Um, see, see, this is the thing. Um, the, the world wants to flip our gifts into suffering by binding us to a use that's not purposeful. See, so, so in other words, we're gifted. What the adversary does, remember, he's not a creator. He didn't create none of us in our gifts. He's a perverter. He can only take what God created and try to twist it. So what he tries to do is twist our gifts so it's not used for its purpose use, right? So, that's, that's, so once, once you take a gift and you put it outside of its design, right, now you're going to suffer. There's nothing, there's nothing to support it. There's nothing to, you know, uh, you heard... Uh, when Paul was going through his process, what was he told? There's much people in this city. Why? To his system with purpose. All things work together for good, but those who love the Lord are called according to what? His purpose. Why everything is set up to galvanize itself to assist you in fulfilling purpose. Anything outside of that, you on your own. There's no support there. And that's going to be suffering, right? Uh, Miles Monroe said this, if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, You'll abuse it. We don't understand the purpose of our gifts, and we've been abusing it, right? Scripture says the suffering of this present time are worthy to be compared to the the glory shall be revealed in us. So when we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto us, which is what we're supposed to be doing, that's just our prescription to make sure our gifts stay locked into God's will. Well, or into God's kingdom. When we use our gifts for kingdom work, the suffering of this present time doesn't measure up with the weight of the glory that's coming. So what you do, you, you're, you're enduring. Now you, could, you have need of patience. After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You see what I'm saying? Now you can count on joy when you fall into diverse temptations or different tests and trials, knowing this, to trying to do your faith, work as patience. You have, let patience have its perfect work, that you'll be perfect and entire, complete, lacking nothing, because all that glory will be on you. But, but, but we, we move because it's quiet. We move because it seems like there's no activity. We move because uh, we have withdrawal from the, the, the corruptible appetites that we've given ourselves. You know, it could be things, it could be stuff, it could be lust, it could be a thousand things. But a lot of times you, you're, you're, how you fed yourself is calling and it's pulling you away from your calling. 
And what you, what you, do, what you have to do is you have to go through the agony of changing your appetite. Right? You know, you got to, like, I've had to change my, over the years, I've had to change my appetite. Like, like every year, it seems like I'm, I'm changing something, right? Like, I'm, you know, we were talking the other day, it's like, is there anything you can eat? <laughs> right? But, but, but there's things, oh, what I've been discovering, there's things my body has already been told, telling me I can't eat. Like, I don't really, like, we wait till we go to the doctor. Our body's already telling us. It's, it's bloating. It's breaking out. We don't change our diet. We go, you know, we'll, look, we'll take on more poison, medication. That makes no sense. The stuff that you're taking in is converted into poison called food, all this processed stuff. Your body's reacting to it. You get used to how your body's reacting like, like, we're not supposed to drink milk at a certain age. You know that, right? Yeah. Did y'all know that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, so when babies are younger, they give them milk. But, but I don't think they're giving them the milk from the store. You know, this come from the mom and stuff like that. Okay, whatever. All right, so they're, 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 they, they can't process food. But as you, as you grow... Everything in your, on your insides now develop where it can't process milk. It, your body doesn't know what to do with milk. So people have diarrhea or, or they can't create names, lactose intolerant, right? But we're not designed to process milk. So that's why your body be acting all crazy. The trip is I knew this. I forced myself to drink milk because I like cereal, boxes of cereal, Right? So when I first started drinking milk, I had, I'm not trying to be gross, I had diarrhea every day. But I was going to drink that milk because I wanted them, you know, sugar smacks and, and fruity pebbles and, and, you know, lucky charms, you know, it's magically. Never, you know, I wanted them little marshmallows, really. I didn't really like the whole lucky charms, right? But as I got older, I read an article. I, I don't know, I might have been in high school. Or, or maybe just getting into college. When I read the article, I was like, that kind of makes sense. We're not supposed to process milk. It just, it wasn't no news flash or nothing. It was just like, that makes sense. I stopped drinking milk. I don't eat cereal no more. It was after college. We was together. So, so, so it was the wrong timing. It was uh, after college because she said we was together when I went through that process. So, so, but this is the thing. So I shut out the milk and I shut out cereal. Um, now, did somebody, you say what's wrong with cereal? There's nothing wrong with almond milk. Yeah. Okay, but the cereal ain't no good. <laughs> yeah, so I just shut it all out. And, and I, I, I've, I've had almond milk, stuff like that. All right, so, so oh man, I was supposed to go on somewhere with that point. Thank you. All right, so, like, like, so, so, for years, my body was already telling me, stay away from this. But I overrode it based on how I feel. So, my body's reacting. Like, you know, women always get a hard time for bloating, right? You know, you not get a hard time, but 
you know, guys blow too, right? See how he jumped in? She's like, uh-huh. Right. All right. But, but, but those are, you know this, right? You know, like, like, you have bloating, but you also have, like, like, people combine enzymes. They don't even know it. You know, like, growing up, we were taught, you know, you want to be a baller, you know, just, just, uh, and you want to put on muscle, uh, meat and potatoes. It's two different enzymes. Your body is like, one enzyme is breaking down the meat. Another whole enzyme is breaking down the potatoes. You know what that called? You know what that's called? Gas. We 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 just eat stuff, especially especially y'all. Uh, what, what, what you call it, babe? What you like? Uh, what is it? Uh, soul food. You you eat everything. So so basically, it's a smorgasbord. You see, you eating a buffet on one plate. All the enzymes are going wild in your body. And it's creating gases. Now, I said all that to say, you got gases, you got breaking out, you got all this stuff. Your body that God designed is telling you, don't do it. We get comfortable with it. It's the same thing with purpose. Right? You, you breaking out in your life. Right? You getting gassed in your life too. Right? But you're, you're, you're constipated in your life too. But you're tolerating it when the whole time your life is telling you. Your life has been telling you a long time. Man, you can't do that. Why do you keep doing it? It's the same thing. We're taking on the wrong purpose diet like we're taking on the wrong food diet. And at both levels, we're losing. Jesus. I think we all are like... You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, see, see, I, 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 listen, I do not just show up talking. Like, God wants us to get what he has. And y'all, y'all think y'all sick and tired. God is sick and tired of every year hearing the same stories. He's not sick and tired. Forgive me, Lord, for misrepresenting you. But, but the, the scripture does say he has indignation. So I'll just use, he has an indignation. Like, are we serious? The same story, same line. Do you know some of us are masters that's getting around the truth that's going to help us to break free? Like, we, we done came up with scenario. My wife just said this other day, so I'm going to use it because she said it. She's being transparent. She says, you know what? You don't know what I'm going to say? Uh, when you said that you, uh, you, uh, <laughs> see, I did that. I was about to tell it while I was going to talk to her. Yeah. You want me to tell it? You just told the people the other day about your philosophy on exercise. Oh, yeah. You can do that. That's okay. So there's certain things that's legal or not. <laughs> yeah, but she was saying how she, she, had, she, her, she, she, she created a perception of exercise as if no matter what exercises do, it's not going to help. She didn't say it exactly like that, but that's how she did it. Oh, not, I, that ain't going to do nothing because I tried that before. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like that, right? But I, I used her because she, she came out and said that's what she was doing. Pastor Melanie came out and said this is what she was doing. 
This is what I got to stop. What do we need to stop? Because we're making a whole lot of excuses too. <laughs> what you saying? I ain't got no time. Yeah, but, but I wouldn't even talk about exercise. You put yourself out there. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't even talk. I was just saying in general, fulfilling what God told us to do. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, as a, as a pastor, and I know I, I, I'm speaking for her, but I know she feels this way too. It's not about, man, what's wrong with you? Man, I don't like, got time to be thinking about what's wrong with you. It, it's more about nobody wants to see you hurting. Nobody, like, like I care about people. So you think I'm telling this person the truth. Here you go, why, why are you always getting on a, do you understand? It's my job to shake you out of that mess. Because if I don't, we're going to have another year with hearing, I just can't believe, well, how come that's happening for them? Because you ain't doing what God told you to do. You see what I'm saying? So, like, listen, I do not have a bone in my body that looks at people from a perch like, that's a shame that you, nobody got time for that. It hurts too much to see people not being fulfilled. Do you understand? That's what it's about. And so, you, you could not like me. You could not like the truth. You could not like, you don't even have to like the package. If you do what you're supposed to do, fine. You can never speak to me again. I'm good with that as long as you be, you're fulfilled. Do you understand that's what the goal is? Yeah. And so we can't do that being lazy. Yeah. Making excuses. Acting like you stuck. I'm going to tell you the reason why I say acting because you ain't stuck when it comes to running from stuff. All of a sudden, you done got out that quicksand. And you fast. You probably got good, a good time in a 40 in the quicksand. <laughs> but when it comes to obedience, all of a sudden, you stuck. Wow, I just, you know, I just, you know, hey, you know, don't judge me. God ain't finished with me yet. God been finished. He even said it. It's finished. He done. It's on us. He said, look, I, didn't, I know that probably sounds humorous, but that wasn't no joke. Genesis 2, 1. God was finished with the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them. The entire occupation. Jesus' seven last words, one of them was what? It is finished. That was a hint. He was like, it's finished. Get with it. Nothing else is coming. <laughs> You have what it takes to manifest the fulfillment I have for your life. You looking for me to create something new? I don't, listen, I'm God. That's what God is saying. I'm God. I don't, I don't create it at all. Thought of that. Every time you open your mouth with an excuse, thought of that. Thought of that too. Thought of that too. I knew you would do that. Thought of that too. You finished? You want to just be obedient? Come on, because that's it. Come on, let's be honest. It really is just consistent obedience, right? If we could be honest with ourselves. It's okay. It's okay. I already know. So you don't have to, you're not being exposed. God already know. I already know. Jesus already know. Holy Spirit already know. So, so, so you, you ain't hiding. We see it. And I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why we're talking like we're talking today is because of what God told us. Why would he restore you the whole year 
for you to go into next year broken again. That makes no sense. That ain't what next, year, next year's vision is not supernatural restoration. So I hope you, you embrace the restoration this year. <laughs> we ain't building no new homes, no nothing. That, that's not what next year's vision is. You should have did all that this year. I was about to say something I'm not going to say. It. Let's stand on our feet. No, not stand on our feet. Anybody, anything, I, I thought it was Sunday. I'd do that. So uh, anything that stood out for you, either online or in a house, uh, how were you challenged? What did it make you think about? What do you want to, like, make sure you leave in two, was it 2023 and not bring in 2024? 